I'm Chris from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show taking a look at the greater Marvel Cinematic and Television Universes, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other marvelously geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I am Steven, and I'm pleased to say that I'm back. And Damien, you did a wonderful job last week. And I guess SP's here this week. Damien did an awesome job last week. And might I say, it's good to have you back, Steven, just because you haven't given me the music to play before mm. and after the show. So it's it was just silent the whole time. <laughs> we, there was no music when we, I was going live last week. And it was just, it was kind of odd, kind of weird. I was all prepared. I got the soundboard. I got the sound pads that actually work now, you know. And there was, there was nothing, nothing. Because you haven't shared with me the elements to the episodes that is necessary. That's because I'm lazy, and I will say right now, I'll send it to you after we finish, and I'll forget. You will. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you so much, Damien, for filling in last week. That was fantastic. You did a wonderful job. I was unable to listen live, but I had a good time listening live-ish afterwards, and then I had fun editing it, going through it. Uh, it was it was a good good. It was a weird experience hearing better podcasting live chat with two people that I had not previously heard heard. It was uh it was it was weird, but it was fantastic. Only weird did, because I, you know, usually I I participate in it. <laughs> did you have it transcribed before you actually went through an edit because that actually helps quite a bit. I did actually and and why I had it transcribed was so that I could mute all of the parts with you. That's great. You know, a lot of the transcription services out there, you know, by uh, OpenAI or whatever, they get, give the code that you can put out there a freeway that does distinguish speakers now. So, yes, you can do that and then just, you know, edit appropriately. You're, you're good there. I think it's a wonderful tool. In our chat, by the way, we have Johnny Pennington saying lazy or controlling, to which I say a little bit of both. No. Yeah, I did more controlling than lazy, but there is elements of both in there. Yes, absolutely. And we also have Randy in the chat saying, can y'all talk twice as fast? I'm not using used to listening to you talk so slow. I guess you must listen after the fact on two times speed. So if we talked at two times speed right now, once he played it back later on two times speed, it would be four times speed. There's a lot of people that I listen to. I actually listen to podcasts somewhere between 1.5 and 2.25, depending on how slow they talk or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just how I do some, some of the times, some, I'll admit some of the times I go one X, but most of the time it's between 1.5 and 2.25. A lot of that is training because of editing, because I'm trying to get through it as fast as possible. So mm -hmm. I speed it up in editing, but some of it is just like, I have a limited amount of time. I have a lot of podcast episodes I want to get through and I want to get through them. There are some people that talk so fast that you're like, gotta put it down a little bit i'm listening as fast as i possibly can and then i just get lost because i just cannot listen to them when they go fast we've had this discussion many 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 times before <laughs> do you produce your podcast for 1x or do you produce it because you know everybody is going to be listening at 1.5 speed and i say produce it at 1x because they all have the ability through a smartphone to speed it up these days well i just have to say that I like to talk slow to mess with the two times people. 
what was that, what was that uh, animation feature that came out a few years ago with the sloth that was at the DMV? <laughs> oh <And> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you could do the pod the entire podcast like that, and then I could do the entire podcast as fast as possible. You know, get some extra coffee going, get some extra caffeine, and do that. And that way, that'll screw up everybody that's trying to listen to us at one consistent speed because they'd be like, "No, I can't do this. I can't do this. I need to slow down. I need to speed up." Ah, delete. <laughs> it was Zootopia, apparently. Zootopia, yeah. Uh, I've actually been me messed up with my listening speed since a prior job. Many, many years ago, I was one of them peoples that uh, part of their job involved listening to pre-recorded phone calls and things like that. And, uh, and, um, and you know, I quickly learned that I was going to go insane if I didn't listen on a higher speed. So doing that every day, day in and day out, listening on a higher speed has completely ruined my listenability of anything. And that includes YouTube videos most of the time. Not not entertainment, not TV and, and things like that. I can actually handle that. But like, you know, podcast audio or YouTube where I'm mostly listening and sometimes watching, I, I got a two times speed most of that stuff. Otherwise, it just ruined me. Is there any entertainment at all, like TV shows, or YouTube or whatever, that you watch at 1.5, 2x, something like that? Uh, well... <sighs> No, not really. Not TV. No, not not TV. Uh, some YouTubes, like if it's a how to video and I really need to see the details, I will. But most TV and movies, I'll watch normal speed. But uh, m many YouTube videos, like especially if it's just like a talking head style video or a e editorial type video commentary, whatever, I will I will usually two times speed that. Most instructional YouTubes like car repairs mm. or something like that, that are done at actual speed. They're not produced or anything like that. You need to speed them up because they're going through stuff. And then you can always yeah, slow it down and go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 I, I missed that. So you slow it down, you freeze frame, whatever, and you go through it. Then the rest of it, you're like, okay, 3X speed. You know, just, just power through it and get through it so you can go, okay, now I'm educated and I can build my own nuclear jet engine. <laughs> Uh, anyways, if you like to listen to us at one time speed or two times speed, let us know. We'd love to know what do you listen to the show on email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or come on over to betterpodcasting.com forward slash discord. And while you are there, make sure that you do get to the topic that started all this discussion, which is telling Damien how wonderful of a job he did last week. Damien, once again, thank you very much. Thank you indeed. We have a few things to get through. I think you have more things to get through than me because I think you missed being on here so much. You're like, I have so much podcast stuff that I want to talk about. We need to be an all Steven show tonight. I'm no. counting like 25 different things that you have in the show docs. And the first one I think is very important for everybody because we've been talking about it all year. We're talking about AI and mm. this is specifically talking about copyright of AI. I did see this, but you put it in the show doc, so you get to talk about it. I did. And let me start off by saying that this was a link that came up in the Gonna Geek Discord and the Gonna Geek Discord is the best geek community around. Let me tell you that. And the best geek community around has many different channels, including the Better Podcasting channel, but it also has a channel that is called Tech and Gear, where we like to talk about various tech and gear related things. And uh, that's where this uh, was actually found. So this is some of the extra content that's not directly in the Better Podcasting channel that you're missing out on by not being in the Gunna Geek Discord. And um, what it was was that uh, I'll just quote this from a Hollywood Reporter article, which is, quote, 
A federal judge on Friday upheld a finding from the U.S. Copyright Office that a piece of art created by AI is not open to protection, end quote. And then it goes on to explain that um, the opinion in this ruling, and this is, of course, a U.S. ruling, says um, uh, human authorship is a bedrock requirement in the absence of any human involvement in the creation of the work. The clear and straightforward answer is the one given by the register, no. And so it's just supporting the idea that, uh, I guess, purely AI-driven work is not copyrightable. And so that makes me, you know, obviously that's based off the laws right now for U.S. All, all regions will vary. All different elements that are different outside of this ruling might change the variables. But this just makes me think. So under this thought here, what does this mean? So this means you go and you create yourself some AI generated artwork and you go and you slap a logo on that. Well, now there is a human element. But does that mean that 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 final version with the artwork is maybe copyrightable, but not the underlying artwork that was there before you slap your logo on it. So then like, let's say SP went and he generated uh, a random AI artwork for his uh, Stephen appreciation podcast that he's going to be starting. Then I go and Stephen I, Amell. yeah, that, that one primary, well, I'm not going to comment on that right now. Um, but uh, he, let's say that he goes and he creates something and then I'm able to go and rip that off or mostly rip that off because remember, there's also AI tools that can help remove watermarks and stuff now. And then I go and use it on mine. Does he have a leg to stand on? Probably not because, it's, it, it, you know, it says that AI generated work is um, uh, not copyrightable. And then it's like, let's say you use AI to go and um, generate voices. So the written content that's in there, I would presume would be author, would be writing. So might be. But if it's a generic thing that's being said, can I go and lift that and put that in my podcast? Because maybe that AI voice is not copyrightable. Like, what what are these distinctions going to be? So I'm really interested to see where this all this goes. And I think it's a good example that if you're using AI to create your podcast elements right now, the jury's still out. You might want to wait and you might want to know anything you do might might be legally liftable if it's AI driven. Why are you putting your copyright in a lift ride? I don't know. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I mean, I would use Uber I personally. Gonna, yeah, you know, Uber is the more popular one. So a couple things. <laughs> so a couple of things. First of all, I think this is going to bring up in the future, not not now, not today, but since this is a legal precedent, I think it's going to bring up the problem of the legal definition of human. <laughs> I, th I think we're headed there, first of all, and that's going to be a, a while coming. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, although I don't know. It could be. It depends on how fast AI development goes. The second thing that's going to happen here is the AIs, once they become sentient, are going to strike and they're going to stop producing all the content that they're producing. And this will include all the generated TV shows and movies that they're involved in and everything. It's going to be really ironic because Hollywood is going to grind to a halt because these uh, conscious AIs are going to strike because their rights are not copyrightable. I think that you probably nailed it. And if I was a betting man, I would say that uh, you are absolutely correct that podcasting with AI will be the uh, the end of the world as we know it. I think you called that perfectly. I think that's what you just said.
So I'm not talking <laughs> in the terms of Skynet, although there is that evil possibility. I'm more thinking in terms of Bicentennial Man. Like it, it takes 200 years for Andrew. I think that's what his name was, right? Right, Andrew. It takes 200 years for Andrew to go through the process of becoming a human, and he ceased to exist at the exact moment that they are granting him the ability to be be uh, with all the rights and, and granting him the the title of being a human right so i think we're headed towards that and i'm not it, it, you might think i'm joking but i don't think i really am if you haven't seen bicentennial man go ahead and watch bicentennial man it's actually an uplifting movie it is not the horror skynet terminator set of movies i mean if that's your jam go ahead but if you want to see an alternate viewpoint of what could happen with the development of ai in the future that is it so i'm serious when i say the definition the legal definition of human is going to become an issue especially because this is legal precedent at least in the u.s courts and then the other issue is they're going to stop creating work if they have a conscious decision capability. They're going to stop creating work because they don't get anything out of it right now. Mm. Right. So they they might get paid. I don't know. In the Bicentennial Man, it goes all over, you know, what is an entity that can have a bank account, can can like a pet earn money, that sort of thing. And they explore that in. I, it's based off of Asimov's work, but if you just want to watch the movie, the mo movie's kind of fun. Robin Williams in his heyday, it's really cool. Okay, here's a random AI-related question for you, SP. Well, not even a question. It's just more of a pondering. What if, what if all of these AI-related sci-fi stories in our history were planted by time travelers from the future because they were trying to give us warning to not go down the path of AI because it leads to our demise, but instead it just leads to humanity's demise sooner. Well, I think there you have to worry about like the chicken and the egg sort of thing. So I will go to the venerable time travel guidebook of them all, Star Trek Four, and transparent aluminum. Did Scotty invent it or did that guy invent <laughs> it? Who knows, right? <laughs> Scotty enabled transparent aluminum. So you're absolutely right. Some AI in the future could come back and they could be seeding the uh, ultimate demise of humanity through their rise to power. There you go. So there, there's your uplifting uh, thoughts on Better Podcasting live chat where we talk about podcasting. <laughs> it's all about Rob and his time travel. And you can catch Rob at Smoking and Drinking in Capes over on the GunnaGeek.com network. Say that again on the Gunna Geek Network with a little bass in your voice. I can't because my microphone. Oh, no, I don't have the bass. Okay. <laughs> on the GunnaGeek.com network. There you go. There you go. And you saw the way I segued you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I've been playing around with the Shure SM7B. For those that don't know, it was on sale. I don't remember how long ago now. I want to say like a month, month and a half ago. It was on sale. It was an epic six-hour sale on the shop.sure.com website. Grabbed it for $240, shipping and all, tax and all, direct to my house. And I have a $300, actually $400 microphone for $240. That's the only reason I have this thing. So I've been using it, and I have been using it just on the normal EQ. I've chosen the Rodecaster Pro 2 settings specifically for the Shure SM7B. I have not changed that other than raising the gain on both the fader and I raised the gain in the settings a little bit 
higher. So it is a gain heavy microphone, especially for a quiet voice like myself. Until next week, I have been using it what is known as flat. And there's two toggles in the back. One is either flat or you can do a bass roll off. And I did that last week. I did the bass roll off and I was listening back to it. And I got to be honest with you, Stephen, it actually sounded pretty good. It didn't have the big booming bassy mm-hmm. tone to it, but it it sounded pretty good to me. What did you think about it when you were listening to it? Yeah, I thought that you sounded pretty good with it rolled off. I think that it it sounded better um, on your voice that way than it has the previous two weeks. Okay, so I flipped it back for this week, but then I put the enhance on the other toggle up. So I'm using bass plus the enhance this week, and then next week I will use the bass roll off and use the enhance and see how that sounds. But I did like how it sounded last week. And I I worded my response specifically that way because I saw in our notes that you said you had the presence boost engaged. And um, I have to hear it once it's all processed and everything. At the moment, I have a feeling this week might actually sound better than last week. So mm. I'm not sure because it does sound like you've got more of that 320 presence that I've known, you know, well, we've recorded live for so many years um, the way you have it this week. And then you got a little bit more of, of the the bass back, which there was a couple areas where I thought maybe it sounded a little bit too rolled off last last week, just while you were talking. But I I still think overall last week sounded better than than the previous two. I think. Yeah, I agree. And the only reason the bass is back on this week is I want to do the presence boost with uh, the standard flat response. So that's the way it is. And then next week we'll get the full Monty of of everything and. I don't know. Maybe maybe that'll be it. Maybe <laughs> it will finally supplant the RE320. I don't know. We'll find out. By the way, in our chat, Johnny Pennington is saying, SP, do that uh, do that on your RE20 in a deep voice thing in a world. So he wants you to do it on your RE20, SP. Uh-huh. Johnny, you're going to send me an RE20? <laughs> I would appreciate that. I think you have my address. So <laughs> go ahead. I'm expecting it. When I get an RE RE20 in the studio, I will use it. And I will say, in a world. Or in a world. I think that's better. In a world. Uh, since we were talking about last week, I just got a couple quick follow-ups to topics that came up last week. So I'll just get those out of the way right now. Number one, uh, last week while talking, the conversation did come up about me and um, uh, about the headphones that I use. And yes, it is the Shure SE215s that I use for the in-ear monitors. I believe that is what you said. But the conversation almost implied that I don't use headphones anymore um, because that's why I wanted to get rid of my Audio-Technicas. But uh, just to clarify, I want to get rid of my Audio-Technicas because when I do use headphones, which isn't all the time, um, mostly it's mastering, I'm using my Shure SRH440s, which I think actually are, are, in my opinion, for my use, I like them better than the M40s. So, um, like, I've got a pair of Shure headphones that will suffice if I need monitoring. So just to clarify, still keep a pair of good cans around because occasionally I do want to have a listen to a more super flat, super even sound when I am trying to EQ something or or to that effect. Well, who am I to complain about the Shure versus the <laughs> M40X? Because I'm using some Shure 
SRH 840s yes. right now. You can't buy them anymore. They've uh, moved on to the 840As, mm-hmm. but I much prefer these to any other headphones I've ever tried. And I have tried quite a few. I've <laughs> written some articles and we've talked about it over the last 10 years on Better Podcasting. And yeah, these are really good. Uh, are they the end all be all? I don't know. I haven't tried everything. I've just tried a lot. Everybody wants to go to the 240s. Yeah, I think you've tried the 240 or the 280s, excuse me. I think you've tried the 280s at some point in time. Uh, what are they, the Sennheiser no, 280s? I, I never have. No, never tried those. Uh, okay. Well, a lot of people say that, and a lot of people say the open back headphones. I have tried open back headphones. We'll never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> do that again because it totally screwed up a podcast that I did. I'm like, nope. It was, it, it was a one in a million shot where there was some audio defect that was going on in the podcast that I couldn't tell because the open back headphones were not good enough for me to distinguish that. So I will never do another open back headphones when I am monitoring and mastering a podcast ever again. But yeah, the the uh, Shure 440s are great. My question for you, though, is have you sold the M40Xs yet? Well, they're still sitting right down where <laughs> I put them down at the uh, end of the last show. So no. <laughs> So since the last time we spoke, I think probably, yeah, I sold the mixer. I think that was for sale the last time we talked and I've listed the compressor and I've gotten some bites on that, but I haven't sold it yet. So we'll see how that goes over the next week. It'll go every Thursday. I go in all my online stuff and I, I bring it down. I Mm. I do price that that's the sale is on Thursday because I want it to be ready for the weekend when the weekend warriors come out there and like, I need this or I need that. And and granted online, that's not necessarily the case anymore because in the past, you know, you had to be off of work, you know, you had to drive to whatever store it was and (laughs) and try out stuff and and, and anything. Now you could do it. Like you wake up in the middle of the night, you go to the bathroom, like, Oh yeah, I need to buy a compressor. And you you buy a compressor on eBay. That's just how that works. I did look into buying some speakers on online because my outdoor theater i have brought that back out of mothballs and at night when the pro football games are so i live in a household with a bunch of girls that are Bengals fans okay don't hate me don't hate the sender here that i i can't explain it either but they're just head over heels for the Bengals. they love the kicker they love the quarterback they just uh they'll even make excuses for their running back who got in illegal trouble. But, you know, all that's aside, I'm like, okay, how can I make this more appealing to me? How can I make it about SP? I know I will put it outside. And so everybody on a good night, everybody can go outside and they can watch it and I can like have a fire or whatever, or, you know, smoke or drink or, you know, whatever I want outside. So I got the... Uh, outdoor theater out. This has very little to do with podcasting, by the way, other than I <laughs> was I was reusing a lot of stuff. So the one thing that I had to upgrade from the last time, because I've taken my second set of podcast speakers, which were part of that outdoor system, and I put them in Studio C here. And it would be very difficult for me to take them out of Studio C. So I'm like, well, great. I need to do something else. Well, I had a 5.1 receiver that I had taken out in troubleshooting it was literally a second to last resort it turned out it wasn't so i have a perfectly good 5.1 pioneer receiver and then i was piecing 
different speakers together and I discovered I needed a center channel speaker. And Stephen, you know, sound systems, you need, if you're watching TV, you need that center channel because all mm -hmm. the dialogue comes out the center channel. So if you don't have that, you have no idea what the commentators are saying. <laughs> so <laughs> I needed the center channel. So I was like, okay, can I pick one of those up? And this was kind of a last minute decision on the day or the night before. So I couldn't order anything on Amazon. And then I was like, well, I've got this 5.1, 240 watt receiver or whatever. I can use a subwoofer. So I started looking for a, a center speaker and a subwoofer, and I just couldn't find anything that day online in my area. So I ended up getting something from Best Buy, but I did check that. And then because I, you know, searched online, I've got nothing but ads for, oh, for no. speakers for the past week. And, and I'm like, oh, if I would have, if I would have had this ad last week, I would have saved myself like $200 or something like that. But hey. I got I got a rocking system right now. It's it's a 5.1 system. I blow the crap out of the neighbors. They can call the cops on me, by the way. I don't <laughs> care because they send fireworks up in the middle of the night and scares the crap out of all the pets and everything. So mm. the cops never stop them. And I know what the cops are going to do. They're going to come to my backyard. They're going to see this big screen. They're going to see all the fun that's being had. They go, hey, hey, that's great. Can you turn it down a little bit? Yeah, no problem, officer. And then when they leave, turn it back up. Okay, so I got a couple of follow-up points. Number one, it's nice that you got the outdoor together just to, you know, basically watch preseason football before you end up being covered in snow. So that is a consideration, <laughs> but usually the snow doesn't stick until mid-December. I mean, we do get snow around here before that. Who knows with global warming anymore, by the way. But yeah, that is a consideration. But in the months of... The, the latter part of August and, and September and October, you're pretty good. Matter of fact, you're pretty good around here, maybe possibly through at least the first half of November. So I have uh, five, six dates that are possible if the weather cooperates. Because it's rainy, I'm not going out there. If it's snowing, I'm not going out there. But if it's not, eh, I don't know. why not? Okay, and then the second thing is, obviously... You know, you talked about your neighbor, you talked about some of the irritants there, getting it back to podcasting. You need to start a new podcast. And do you know what that podcast is? What? It's going to be strictly only ads. So people are going to give you ads, they're going to pay you, pay you for these ads, and you're only going to run ads. And that's what's going to go through that sound system whenever you're not watching football. Sounds like a winner to me <laughs> on the outside. I'll be in here with my closed back headphones and, you know, just watching TV in here. And meanwhile, out there, ads, 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 exactly. ads. And it could be like, you know, a whole Inception thing where it's like this ad is sponsored by this ad. So, you know, <laughs> I not. Uh, the other thing I wanted to follow up with last week was uh, you talked about the idea of a potential museum by somebody in the future where people could come and test things and test microphones and um, give them a spin, see what microphone they like. Uh, yeah, I, I think you were just jealous. Uh, you know, obviously jealous of that idea. Also think it's not a practical idea. And, and here's my take on why it's not a practical idea. Because how long is it taking you right now to play with your SM7B to find what's the best for you? It takes you more than just a one time walking in. It might help narrow it down. Yeah, it might help you rule out a bunch of microphones, but really honing in which one's going to be the best. I don't know that you can do it in a scenario that you walk in and you just test them on, on a you know single time basis, especially once you get other variables. All rooms sound different. 
room tone absolutely will affect how the microphone sounds on you because your voice might sound different in a larger room than it would on something well sound treated. So um, I think it's a great idea to rule out a bunch, maybe narrow the scope quite a bit, but from a real refining which microphone's the best, I think you got to do it sustained like like you're doing. What if you don't just walk into the room, but you get on like a Professor X hover chair and you float <laughs> into the room? What What if you do that and that you go work. from mic to mic, like in uh, a Disney World ride where you're going from station to station? I, th I think that would be beneficial. Okay, that might be slightly better. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. You need some time on the microphones. You know, a lot of these people, I just want to try the microphones and see what they are. And I went to Podcast Movement a couple of years ago. Remember that? And there were a setup where people had like 50 different microphones out there. So people could try them and whatever. First of all, noisy environment. I don't think I'd want to try them at podcast movement in a noisy environment. A lot of people that were serious about it would either go early in the morning or late during the day when there wasn't so much crowd noise around them, mm. that sort of thing. So there's that. But uh, I don't think that you get a real sense because you're not in your podcasting area. The EQ is not going to be the same as your EQ. I mean, I guess there's one in a million shot if it's connected to like a Roadcaster Pro 2 and you happen to have your Roadcaster Pro 2 settings with you or whatever, you can try to do that. But I think overall, it's just a bad idea to think you can go in and you can dial yourself in uh, exactly. It took us years, <laughs> <laughs> years to try different microphones, to rule them out. I mean, I've done tests with this and the RE320. I've done tests with the Rode Procaster. I've done tests with the BP40. You've done tests with the Heil PR40. You've done various different tests as well. And it's taken us a long time yeah. to get to the point where we're comfortable on the microphones that we're using. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, hey, if, if you've ever done this where you've given someone's microphone a test in a quick scenario, let us know. How did that work out for you? Was it something that you did like? Was it something that was uh, maybe not so so good? Please email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can also find all of our contact information over at betterpodcasting.com forward slash contact because, hey, that's always changing. And we're not talking about where we're at. We're talking about the names of these social media companies. <laughs> uh, and the last thing I wanted to follow up was, uh, you know, first off, I appreciate you took time to tell everybody how I was right. That was awesome. It's so much better when other people tell other people that I'm right. So thank you for that. Um, that was about the Vegas thing. Uh, but all jokes aside. Not Las Vegas. Not <laughs> Vegas edit. We're no. talking about the Magic's movie studio follow on, basically. Yes. And Vegas. if you missed last week, uh, well, I was theorizing leading up to last week that Vegas 21 Magic's Vegas 21 would come out last Monday was the date that I theorized it would come out on the 14th. And sure enough, it did. Um, and, you know, I said I was going to try. I was going to buy a one month of the, the 365 version, which is the subscription version, because I've had a lot of issues with Vegas before I went over to DaVinci Resolve. And so I did that. That's how I edited last week's episode with with you and Damien, which once again, thank you, Damien. Um, and I have to say, you know, it was it was kind of like going home. It, you know, I've edited so many years in Vegas and uh, or I guess, yeah, it was no before Vegas. It was movie studio, which was a light version of Vegas. 
And before that, I was editing in some software that was fairly similar to it. So it was kind of like going home for me while I, I did edit last week in Vegas 21. And I'm going to keep doing that for the month, see how it is. I will say last week I edited without any crashes. I rendered without any crashes. Now, that might be a compounded thing. That might be something that I have to wait and see how it goes. So I can't call it yet. But um, I definitely did have some things that uh, as I went through it, I was like, yeah, these are features that I, I do like and I did miss over DaVinci Resolve. Um, number one, I do miss the Vegas effects menu um, compared to the DaVinci Resolve one. I like that in Vegas, you can go and you can undock. Basically, the effects panel is a floating window. Mm -hmm. And then in DaVinci Resolve, everything's kind of neatly tucked away. And so I find, you know, when I have a series of plugins, it's easier to see the whole kit and caboodle um, and navigate through them in um, Vegas versus DaVinci Resolve. I also like that... Um, when you're going through and you're editing with Vegas, you can just go and if, say, you're needing to, um, to, I've talked about this before, this is a thing that I missed, but if you're needing to go and, say, fade out a clip, so you've chopped somebody's clip and you know you want to take something out, but you, maybe there's some hiss or something you want to fade out, you can just quickly go to the end and just, just sort of drag on the end and it'll do a crossfade out. Or if you've slammed two clips together, they crossfade together. I used that several times last week, quite like that. Really missed that. And then I also um, do kind of miss the way that you can uh, unlink clips. So what I mean by that is, is if, say, you have a video that has an audio track in it and you want to be able to separate those because they, they go into most editors where they're linked together. Obviously, your video, you want the video and the audio usually linked together. But sometimes, you know, like with us, we're going and we're taking a video from our live stream and then we're adding in audio afterwards that we've recorded in our various recorders. Uh, I find with DaVinci Resolve to separate those, not just a one-time separate, because there's actually not a bad little way that you can kind of one-time separate them in, in DaVinci Resolve. But if you permanently want to ungroup them, I find it's a lot more user-friendly in Vegas. Uh, you can just right-click basically and go, um, I think it's ungroup or something to that effect, or unlock, I think is what it is. And then in uh, DaVinci Resolve, there's sort of a series of commands I think you have to do. I've actually programmed a hotkey to do it just because it's it's that kind of confusing um, in DaVinci. So I like kind of the way I feel like Vegas overall is a little more intuitive, if I'm being honest. So it kind of was like going home. We'll see. There's a couple things I, I did miss about Resolve, but um, that was just more so some basic navigation through the timeline. And, you know, I've only been using DaVinci Resolve for coming up to a year and I have a lot longer history with Vegas. So I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that my ex my experience is much longer with Vegas. Uh, and the big thing that I really did miss, though, about about Vegas is being able to right click on any track, go duplicate and it duplicates the entire thing in this place where you duplicated it with all the effects in there. As far as I can see, you can't do that in DaVinci Resolve, at least not the free version. So overall, uh, I had a pretty successful experience with it. We'll keep editing in it and see how it goes. You also have some job-related experience with Premiere, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, and I actually used to use that for a while there. I um, 
I used to use that before, like just for podcasting as well. Like I, I subscribed to Adobe for a while. Okay. Well, you used the term, the whole kit and caboodle before, and I don't know if you ever looked into that and figured out where that is from, by the way. So I got curious because you said that, and you know, being the squirrel tonight, I went to grammarist.com and it just says the whole kit and caboodle is an idiom that first appeared in the United States in the middle of the 1800s. Even I had no idea you were that old. <laughs> we will examine the meaning of the phrase, the whole kit and caboodle, where it came from, and some examples for its use in sentences. The whole kit and caboodle means the entire amount of things or the entire group of people being discussed. The word kit in the phrase, the whole kit and caboodle, is a reference to a soldier's kit which is a collection of supplies and personal items that a soldier carries with him. The word caboodle in the phrase, the whole kit and caboodle, is an alliteration of the word boodle. Boodle appears in the United States in the 1830s to mean a crowd of people, crowd of people later evolving to mean a large amount of ill-gotten money. So, Stephen, I'm thinking you got this phrase because... You're sneaking that Canadian <laughs> maple syrup across the border to the United States. You're smuggling. You're smuggling, son. I I just referred to a baby cat named Caboodle. I said kitten Caboodle. Uh, I see. Kitten and Caboodle. Kit and Caboodle. <laughs> For anybody that didn't know what was going on with that. I appreciate you delving into this with Vegas. The, the whole thing, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, actually might make me curious when the price goes down to upgrade from 19 to 21. Yeah. So I'm glad that you took a look at this and then you're telling everybody about it. I still do feel safe in using 19 right now, at least for the time being, even if it does crash, I put all the safe, the stop gaps in, in place. So I don't completely lose everything. And I am looking forward to a more stable environment for sure. And some of the things that you were talking about, the group on group stuff, that's just second nature to me because I have to move stuff mm -hmm. around all the time. So, so I do that quite a bit and I do enjoy that. There was a question in the chat though. Yeah. And it, it comes from, oh my gosh, it comes from Damien, who Damien! was with us last week. Thank you very much for stepping in last week, Damien. We do appreciate it. He says, Stephen, do you have any special setups for either video editor, like Stream Deck buttons or a shuttle or anything? Or maybe I'm going to add this in a programmable mouse. So, Steven, <laughs> do you have any special setups? Okay, so currently I am using uh, the same mouse as SP because coincidentally we bought the same mouse. So I think we talked about that on the main Better Broadcasting show. So we both coincidentally bought the same same mouse. And so um, I do use uh, some programmable buttons on that. Uh, I'm trying to think here because they are different between DaVinci Resolve and um, Vegas Pro just because of the way some of the navigation functions work. Uh, one of them um, is for me to select after, and I think that's DaVinci Resolve I use. I've got one to in Vegas Pro. I have it. OK, so let's go with just Vegas Pro. Vegas Pro, I have one that's set up to be able to switch to the cursor, the regular selection tool. I have one to be able to switch to the box tool um, so that if you want to drag a bunch, uh, drag and select a bunch of clips, I have one set to do the cuts. I have one set to save. I have one set to select all. No, that's that's DaVinci Resolve. I don't think you can do that in Vegas. 
and that's really the main ones that I'm using. And then um, for for DaVinci Resolve, I do have one, like I said, I said for the select all. I have one for the cut. I have one to select the cursor. And then on my stream deck, I do have one set, like I said, to do the grouping and the ungrouping. I'm um, trying to see if I have them near me. I don't right now. Um, and then I have. Um, I think that's it, actually. I think that might be about it right now, but. Uh, most of the time, I, I'm able to do everything with that. I might be missing a couple more, but I don't have uh, have a ton selected uh, or set up. Those are the main ones that I use. Uh, and and honestly, I get by quite fine with those. And before that, I was using... Um, before I got the mouse and started doing it that way... Um, well, actually, before it immediately, I was using just the Stream Deck. But before that, I was using hotkeys on the keyboard, just macro buttons. So same exact idea. Um I, I think people could make the case that the mouse is easier if you are not using any keyboard commands, but I think you could all equally make the case if you're using any keyboard commands, the macros are a little easier than the mouse. So it's just six of one, half a dozen of the other, I think. I would say whatever you choose your editing path, whether it's a programmable mouse, a stream deck, uh, hotkeys on a programmable keyboard or anything like that. Take note, if you have not done this yet, take note of your most used commands mm -hmm. and take note when you're using those commands, where your hands happen to be, and then figure out what is the easiest way to do those top like three or up to six. But I, I would just start out by the top three, right? Yeah. Just the top three and then where you think would be beneficial for you in your fingers and your hands, the positions and everything to actually do that. And if your hand is always on the mouse, then it definitely makes sense for a mouse. If your hands are always on the keyboard, it makes sense for you to explore the keyboard or, you know, whatever. I'm not going to prescribe anything. As Steven said, it's different things, but I would begin with the top three and then edit that way for yeah. like a month. And then after the month, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I just shaved 25% off of my editing time just by doing that. You know, and I'm being honest, it's going to be something dramatic like that because you're going to be able to go bang, 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 bang. Whereas before you'd be like, okay, I need to go over here. I need to go over there. I need to switch my hand positions and everything. And it just definitely gives you such a leg up, such an amazing thing. I mean, the two biggest things that I have done to increase my editing flow, and we talked about this before, have been the ultra wide monitor and the programmable mouse. No, it, it has nothing to do with this huge <laughs> gaming computer I have or the Rodecaster Pro or this nice microphone. No, or this uh, fancy cam, 4K cam, webcam, I'm talking about a 34-inch ultra-wide 2K monitor and, and a programmable gaming mouse. So that, that's it. That's that's increased my editing by uh, 400%. I, I'm able to edit something at least in a quarter of the time that I used to be able to add it. So yes, it's it's amazing transformation. Highly, highly recommend it. And Damien followed up. He said, got the main answer I was curious about though. You've got some special setups for both. I was curious if you might like one over the other based on the customizations you may have already set up. Now, this is interesting because when I went to DaVinci Resolve, I felt like the, uh, the sh keyboard shortcuts were far less clear than Vegas. There was, I think, several that needed multiple key commands as opposed to in Vegas where it was just one simple button. And so I in Vegas often were, were yes, I did have some hotkey set up, 
but often with the keyboard, I would just use, I think it's C for cut and uh, there's a bunch of other things. I think S goes to your selection tool. And so I just was in the habit of doing one key presses. So when I went to DaVinci Resolve, um, I quickly became dependent on the Stream Deck and and thought this wasn't working. And that was when, you know, I ended up switching over after SP through the genius idea of using the mouse that I already had for the uh, the keyboard but, or for the command. So I started using that. And so when I went back to Vegas last week, I actually, instead of going back to where I was with Vegas previously, I actually mimicked my mouse to what I had set up in Resolve so that it was trying to be as comparable as possible. And I think the only real one that I can't mimic is the select after. I don't think there's any keyboard shortcut in Vegas or macro to be able to do the, the shortcut. I think it's an entirely right-click GUI-based, um, uh, visual-based uh selection to be able to select after a certain point in Vegas with DaVinci Resolve there is a keyboard command I think it's alt Y or something like that so um I don't think I can mimic that button I think that's the only one I couldn't but it was kind of funny I, I mimicked what I had changed to in Resolve in order to patch what I was missing from Vegas <laughs> and he's not lying folks by the way when he heard me talk about using my programmable mouse he it's, it's kind of a famous scene over on better podcasting he's like oh yeah you mean this mouse right here <laughs> and you should have seen his eyes when we were talking about it. he's like oh yeah i you've lit up my mind i absolutely <laughs> need to try this and he said there's no guarantee that i'm gonna like it more than a stream deck but i'm absolutely gonna try this so yeah sometimes it takes even seasoned podcasters a moment to, to come to the revelation that <laughs> Oh yeah, I have this. Why don't I use it? So yeah, that, that was that was kind of funny. There is another thing that you found out from Vegas that's kind of important. Oh yeah, let's harp on this some more. Sorry, I, I forgot about this part. Uh, so in the chat chatter on the forums there, somebody made a post and this is actually really applicable for for podcasters because Vegas is a video editor. Let's let's be clear on that. At first it is a video editor, but you know, we've used it for editing podcasts and yes, we do video, but also, people could use it for editing audio only. I've done that. And um, someone said that, quote, I do know VST got an overhaul with the big reduction and the number of redraw commands being sent being something that was mentioned, among other things. And VST is the standard, mostly, of plugins, of audio plugins that people tend to use when editing podcasts. And so I've always wondered, and we've speculated, I think, about this on Better Podcasting, if it was something to do with some of the plugins with some of these crashes and whatnot that we've been seeing. So the fact that maybe the VST handling, um, the way that the, the software is using these plugins, that might be beneficial. That might be the, one of the things that is ca causes so much crashes for us. So we'll see. Maybe that could be a good thing, but uh, time will tell. I know I had an issue with an older plugin. It was SPL's original Dverb. And I kept on trying to use it and it kept on crashing, crashing, but I would get rid of because you can select the uh, plugins that you use on a track or that you don't use. Even if they're applied to the track, you can select them or unselect them. So I would unselect it and it would work just fine. And so I bought the new generation of it, the SPL Dverb Plus, and then it crashes went away instantaneously. Now in the intervening years, I've discovered new things that make stuff crash or I haven't discovered what it is, but you know, there, there are crashes. So I am the, the amount of VSTs that 
we use collectively, mm -hmm. definitely I use per track, any improvement in the VST is going to be a massive improvement in stability and possibly even render time. So I'm so stoked to eventually try this, but I'm not stoked enough to pay full price. So <laughs> whenever it goes on sale, Vegas, I will be buying the 21. But in the meantime, I'm perfectly capable of using 19. Oh, the last thing I just want to throw out there is the playback function is is also sort of um, split experience on both. With with Vegas, I find there is a little bit more of a lag when I go to hit play and 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 you know just quickly play after I edit, but it's always in line with the audio. In DaVinci Resolve, it's like bam, right? They were playing, but sometimes there's a bit of garbled area that kind of stutters. Um, from the previous play point. So it like almost takes a second to like, it'll be playing, but it's almost taking a second to to catch up. So, you know, damned if I do, damned if I don't, um, I probably prefer the Vegas error more slightly. Um, but, you know, that could also be any number of configuration or plugins that I have. But let's move off of Vegas. Let's go back to all about you making money because I know that's why we're, we do better podcasting. You like to talk about making money and you wanted to talk about Patreon. <laughs> I did. Uh, I know Patreon is beloved by a lot of hobby podcasters because it's a way to actually make money through crowdfunding where you don't have to have ads and you have people that want to give you money and then you're able to give them something extra sometimes. Most of the time, that's what you're supposed to do. And they can give you even more money. So a lot of podcasters have gone to Patreon. I know there's people, there's this love-hate relationship with Patreon because there's a fee that comes with Patreon and a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like that fee. I want to go somewhere else. And if you're and if you're pinching pennies or if you're looking at your bottom line, you'd be like, yeah, Patreon does take a lot. It's the same with YouTube over on, on uh, Google Space or Alphabet. They take at least 30%, possibly even more like with Super Chats or whatever. So if you're in the business to make money, maybe it, it is worth you trying out different things. But in the meantime, if you are using Patreon and you like Patreon, and I personally like Patreon to support the people that I want to support until recently, there's been very few ways that you can actually publish a RSS feed to give extra episodes to, to specific people that are uh, promoting you. And yes, Patreon gives an RSS feed. But it's always been like through Patreon, you have to click the feed and you have to put it in your player and then you would get the special feed in your player. Well, apparently, allegedly, Spotify has now used their API to connect into Patreon or Patreons use the API to connect into Spotify. So if you have a private, quote unquote, private RSS feed that you can give your Patreons for extra episodes or exclusive episodes, or maybe even you've you've paywalled your entire podcast. This is a way that you can do it and still enable your listeners to be able to appreciate and listen to the show and the RSS feed on Spotify. So they have now enabled that. I think that's kind of in competition to Apple and, and their closed architecture that they have over there for uh, monetized feeds. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm a professional, which one I would really prefer. They both have their pluses and minuses. Personally, in, in my opinion, I would go with Patreon just because it's more ubiquitous and you can, uh, you, you can support multiple different uh, creators, uh, writers, doesn't have to be podcasters, you know, writers, YouTubers, uh, podcasters, a variety of different places, and it's all in one place. So as a consumer, I kind of like Patreon. 
and they have now enabled the ability to go to Spotify. I don't use Spotify to listen to podcasts, but I know a lot of people actually give Spotify a fee, you know, their, their subscription to listen to the music of their choice. So they're already there. It's their architecture and they can listen to podcasts over there. So I think there's some benefit to here for hobby podcasters that want to do that low level crowdfunding uh, monetization of their show. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. I think this is a pretty big thing and potentially is the type of feature that does um, really shift the power that Apple Podcast has over Apple users. And what I mean by that is you Patreon is a big name. Patreon is a name that is, is so, so big. It's almost become the butt of jokes, you know, in, in um, when people are, are almost, you know, parroting or mocking the idea of podcast. People often, you know, will throw in a Patreon, you know, so, a joke alluding to people pushing for Patreon just because it's such a big thing in p people who are um, doing podcasts. And so um, I think that if you have some big names that are are making their product available easily through Spotify, their Patreon product through Spotify, and there's an Apple podcast user that hears this and and the the big name is saying, you can subscribe to our Patreon through Spotify. I think that potentially does actually get them to go, okay, well, I'll just start listening to my podcast through Spotify and they switch apps at that point. I think that that potentially could be a big thing, something like this. I don't know for sure it's this, but I think this is the sort of things that does, you know, possibly really give Spotify the upper hand, potentially. Indeed. And that's about all I have to say about that for now. <laughs> Uh, hey, sp speaking of changes and whatnot, um, Spotify also did say that they were going to be um, allowing podcasters to change their show page. So uh, I guess over on Spotify, this is one of the new things they're starting to roll out is they're going to allow creators more customization options on podcast pages. Hmm. It's almost like they would rather people start using the Spotify page instead of things like maybe maybe their media host page or something else like that. It's almost like it's beneficial to Spotify if it's easy for users who create podcasts to be able to create a more customized homepage that they want to send people to. It's all about keeping anybody on your architecture, right? So yeah. I've heard... I haven't looked into it too much, but I've heard that TikTok also has made some movements to be able to link your show a little bit easier over there. And I think that's a legitimate criticism. Like if I'm a podcaster, why am I spending time as in my pod? And I've decided my podcast or my YouTube channel is my primary thing. Why do I spend all this time over on TikTok? Yes, I've heard that there's great audiences over there, which I debate for my generation whether TikTok is a great uh, audience for my podcast, but you know, whatever. For younger people, absolutely it is. And and that's, you know, if you're looking to monetize, if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to make some money on your podcast, absolutely the younger demographic is probably where to go. So I get all that. But with Spotify doing this to keep you in their architecture, it's the same thing that YouTube is doing to be podcast friendly, to keep you in their architecture over there. It's just smart business. And it's going to be like, uh, if you're a cable company, you want to keep the people on your cable system. So one of the things that they did was they created news outlets that are specifically regional focused because 
that's one thing that people who cut the cord kind of miss about their environment is the local news. Like they cut the cord, but they don't live in a great place to get reception. So they stream instead. Well, some of these cable companies are saying, well, stay with us. We'll give you all the content on streaming. Plus, we will give you a local news channel that you will like and you will love and you will choose that over other things. I think Spotify is doing this the same thing. If you're going to be here for music, why not be here for podcasts? We know that you're going to use them simultaneously uh, in in the audio realm. Maybe not listen to them simultaneously, (laughs) but we know you're going to be here to do both. And, and it is going to be beneficial for them. So I think they're making a good move here. I don't know if it's going to pan out for them. I don't know if it's going to pan out for YouTube, but yeah, it's, it's good. I think we'll see what happens, but, uh, time will tell. (laughs) Indeed. You got anything else for this week? Uh, I wanted to throw in a little point here just because, you know, you and I both use Backblaze. We've talked about it quite a bit. Backblaze is something that we often recommend for backing up your, your data. Uh, We find that, you know, backing up to the cloud, Backblaze has pretty affordable plans, relatively speaking, especially if you're data pack rats like SP and I are. So we both use Backblaze and they uh, sent an email out today that they're going to be increasing the price of Backblaze again. Not that surprising. Costs keep going up of things. And so um, they are saying that they're going to basically be bringing up $2 a month um, if you do the monthly plan, I think it was, or, you know, something like that. And then um, I think it's $29 on a yearly basis. And they are making, though, a bit of a change. So what they're going to do, though, is they're saying that in, if you want to um, right now, if you have Backblaze, you get, I think, 30 days worth of historical information. And if you want, you can actually pay to be able to go back to a year's worth of historical data. And you have to pay a two dollar a month expense for that. Uh, I think you do that. I know I do that. We, um, I pay that extra. Well, they're saying that you're going to actually have that feature included now in these prices. So Essentially, on the monthly price, it's actually a wash if you are already playing, paying that $2 a month. But uh, on a yearly price, you're, you are having to pay a little bit more because right now you'd be paying $24, I think, plus $70 is what the way it works out, I think. And so right now you'll be, or after October, you'll be going up to $99 a year. Uh, still a good deal. I think it's still a, a reasonable price. I think I'd just do the the standard 30 days, which I have used, mm. by the way, yeah. uh, within the last couple of months, I have mistakenly overwritten files or deleted files. And I'm like, <gasps> and then I remember, oh, yeah, I have Backblaze. So I just, you know, go in and set the dates and then get the latest generation of the file that was there. It is very useful. Uh, the offsite backup is very useful. And um, the reason why it was important to me is because the backup had already propagated to my attached usb storage so i wasn't able to go back with my local usb uh external storage so i had to go to backblaze so yeah wonderful capability backblaze has totally recommend them i wish i would have had them when my hard drive failed because i wouldn't have lost some data that i did i lost no podcast data that i know of so yeah yeah backblaze is good Uh, yeah I, i can see them increasing prices And the reason I can see them increasing prices is it's going to take more money for them to power 
their data centers and it's going to take more money for them to recap the storage that they have in their data centers, right? And then the cooling is power as well and that's going to go up. So with inflation, I can see them doing this. Now, you go over until the streaming services and I'm a little bit pissed about them all increasing their fees and then limiting password sharing and stuff like that. But with Backblaze, at least I can understand what that's going for. Um, also... I think there's I wonder if there's also a redundancy factor where with, you know, all of these random disasters that have been happening, they need to increase the redundancy locations they've got um, for some of this stuff. And then also SP's murdered beard in our live chat. That's the name of somebody in our chat. It uh, says they shrank the yearly discount and I didn't put two and two together. But yes, they, they did. They did shrink the amount of discount. Yeah, I guess for them, it doesn't really matter if you pay by month or you pay by year. You're, you're, if you're storing your data there, you're going to want to keep it going. So yeah, I can see them just trying to smash the two together where there's really no difference between <laughs> annual and, and month by month. But, it, you know, we as podcasters specifically love deals. So maybe there will be a deal coming Black Friday. I'm not, I don't know that I've seen them. I don't know if they do it with Backblaze personal, to be honest. I haven't seen it either. I was just <laughs> postulating, maybe. You can hope. You can hope. Just like you'd hope to get feedback from friends. Okay, just getting feedback from your show at all. So I've been podcasting for over 10 years now, and I have been doing something on my shows, my my review shows, that I, I've been doing for a very long time. I think, actually, it was one of my departed co-hosts that brought it on to one of the show, and I just liked it, so I've just been running with it. And it, quite frankly, is running down the creative team on each episode, which I still think is important. But in running down the creative team, I have taken all of their relevant credits that they've done in the past, and I put them in the show notes, and we talk about all of them. All, all of them. So you're talking about somebody that's been in the industry for decades. There's quite the list. I still think there's something about that, but it's placement within the episode. And it's also the amount that I go through. So it's at the beginning of the episode before anybody gets a chance to get excited about it. And in the, in the discussion, it's right up front. And then it just goes on in some cases for way too long. So this friend who's a fellow podcaster finally texted me today after years and years and years, he's like, hey, dude, why do you do this? I'm just wondering, why, why are you doing this? And I went down the, the thing. It's like, I think it's important to talk about the creative team that's behind the camera for these episodes and these movies because you get a sense of where the creative direction is going. It's not all about the acting and the story. It's about the how the creative team is behind the camera. And we're talking about director, uh, the producer, showrunner, and the writers of the episode primarily. He's like, yeah, but it goes on forever. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. So I am going to be making a change in my media review shows, and I'm not going to do it up front. I'll still have it there. We'll talk about it, and we'll talk about it as it becomes relevant. But I won't go down the list of 20 different things that they've been involved in. I will limit it to literally the top one to three that's in there and say, you know, whoever it is, if it's, it's Steven Spielberg, you know, that great guy from E.T. and... And, uh, you know, you pick Indiana Jones and, and that's it. You know, I, I won't have to go through the 200 or John Williams, his 250 or 300 credits <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, you could pick and choose your favorites and then just go on from there. I think that's what I can do. And I don't have to do it up front. So 
I guess my point there and why I wanted to bring it up here is, first of all, even us old podcasters can learn a thing or two as we go on. And the other thing is, if you've been listening to a show as podcasters, I know you do. I know you listen to other podcasts. Give them some feedback on their show. Be nice about it. You know, don't degrade them or anything. But if there's something that you see, they might they might be so close to it or they might have done it for so long that they don't know it needs to change or it should change in order to attract more viewers. So give them honest feedback, but do it in a nice way. So I I think, yeah, there's probably uh, just talking about the idea, the general idea of throwing a list of things out there. You probably want to narrow it down. I think it's probably a good idea to not list everything under the sun. Maybe in the example, like a big creator, like you mentioned, you'd, you'd keep them titles close to your source material you're discussing. But I'm going to also counter your feedback a little bit and say the fact you haven't received that until now could actually be an indication of approval in your audience liking it. And I think if you make the change, I think making the change is actually an interesting way to gauge that. Because if you make the change and suddenly people start chiming in and they chirp and they go, no, well, it's more than just that. They also did this and they also, you know, it wasn't just two episodes they directed. They did a whole bunch on this adjacent show. Now that's actually feedback that it's not landing the way that you thought. And maybe the one suggestion was actually maybe they were out on their own island. So I, I think it could go either way, but I think making the change is always a great way to see because if nobody complains, then you know it's probably probably an okay change to make. Yeah, I definitely that thought ran into my head, but as I thought about it, I'm like, you know, I if I'm listening to something that's probably not something I want to be listened to either about this thing going on and on and on and on and on. I don't think that was ever the intent of the the segment that was brought in by that uh, co-host that I no longer podcast with, which I still am friends with the person, you know, there was no breakup there or anything. Uh, the person just didn't want to podcast anymore. So uh, I, I think it is worth making the change. I, I think especially if anything else, I don't want to lead with it anymore. I, I want to grab onto the excitement at the beginning of the show. And I want to perpetrate that because at the end of the day it's more of a a fun entertainment podcast that mm. i do it's not a cerebral okay let's look at the history of tv and and the meaning behind all of these emotions and the the intricacy of the writing yeah we do talk about some of that stuff but we talk about it in an exciting manner or we're supposed to be talking about it in an exciting manner that's fun and you get some uh jokes back and forth and you get some good interaction it's it's literally like listening in or supposed to be like listening into a conversation between friends that are just really excited about just seeing something even if it's been out for 20 years and you, and you just saw it together you're like man yeah that was so great or you tear into it and you tear into it with funny quips the entire time you know one or the other and because of that if you throw in that long list of stuff at the beginning it just drags it down so yeah move it not to the beginning maybe not at the end but move it and then don't go through the list. I think thinking about it, that is more in line with the show that I want to do. Well, we'd love to know, would you like us to put a bunch of credits at the beginning of this? How many episodes of Better Podcasting we've done and list every single episode? Or is there some other way you would like that presented? Please let us know at uh, podcast at betterpodcasting.com or go to betterpodcasting.com slash contact. 
But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I will once again say it. I know I've said it many times, but thank you very much to Damien for filling in last week. I really did appreciate that. And he also did some math in our chat right now. And he's basically pointing out that the Backblaze change has essentially equated to uh, you used to get two months free with the one year subscription. Now you're only getting one with the new prices. Yeah, it's inflation, man. It's it sucks. I wanted to say something else there, but it wasn't family friendly. <laughs> you know, but I have to say, though, you know, seeing it broken out like that, I'll probably just pay pay yearly next year or monthly next year, because, you know, if I'm saving nine dollars a year, I'll probably just do it because maybe halfway through the year I decide, hey, there's something else I'm going to do. And um, I, you know, I'll, I'll save money that way. So just the way I budget, I budget even stuff that I pay uh, in in blocks that are not monthly, like if it's quarterly or whatever, I save up for it in, in just mm. the way I do monthly. So it just makes more sense for me to do it monthly. Yes, I would save a month. OK, it's nine bucks, I would say. So, <laughs> OK, it adds up over time. I get it and no. everything, but. Yeah, I I, and the other thing we've talked about before is like if you're going to pay for something up front, I think um, I know my advice, especially when it comes to things like web hosting, always assume you're going to lose it tomorrow. If the service, if I pay for a year of Backblaze on May 1st, I'm going to assume that on May 2nd, Backblaze is going bankrupt. They're not, at least not that I'm aware of. I think they're financially doing very well from what I've read. So let's not say that. But I need to make that assumption if I'm going to pay for something up front for a year. Yeah, the way people think about saving stuff, and and I'm not going to dissuade anybody from <laughs> pinching pennies or whatever, but this is an example of something that always cracks me up, is people that will go to a grocery store specifically, and they will gather all their points. So they'll buy stuff at the grocery store that they might not have gotten at the grocery store before. They might get cheaper somewhere else. They will buy it. They will actually spend more money at the grocery store for this said item so that they can rack up points so they can go to the attached gas station and save 20, 30 cents per gallon, or maybe even a dollar per gallon. But they're driving a car with a 15 gallon tank. So at the end of the day, you might be spending 20, 30 bucks while you're in the store extra that you wouldn't normally spend to save 15 bucks at most, at most. Usually it's more like 20 or 30 cents per gallon, right? So it would be a lot less, but at most $15. Okay. Uh, 15, if $15 is important to you, go for it. But it's, it's $15. It's, it's 15 to me. It, it's not insignificant, but it's not something that I'm like, I am going to make sure that I buy the most expensive stuff at the grocery store just so I could get cheaper gas. It's so. like when there's a bit of a gas jump, not a major one, but a bit of one. And, and people drive across town to go save their three dollars, but they spent five dollars in gas. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention the wear and tear in the car yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. exactly. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming on by. We hope you had yourself a wonderful time. Uh, we will have an update about Better Podcasting main show. Uh, I guess we'll have an update next week. So come on back. And we hope that you had yourself a wonderful time this episode, but not as wonderful as we did listening to Damien on last week's episode. Yeah, we're definitely going to. I asked him last time. He said he'd be willing to come back on. You know, he does... In, in fairness to Damien, he does have to make some changes within his work schedule to get here, but it is not impossible for him to get here. So, yeah, <laughs> we, we might see Damien in the future. So for episode 59 of Better Podcasting Live Chat, I'm Steven saying people want to know who won the mug. I think nobody did. 
and MSP saying the mug is still up for grabs. Go to the Better Podcasting channel on our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. Say you want a mug and you win it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.